0: This is Spartan 117.
1: Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall.
0: And just to let you guys know, today's sponsors are NordVPN, Gamefly, and Audible.
1: And be sure to check out audibletrial.com the fight for your free audiobook today. And now let's talk about what's going on in the Halo community. I think one that we all know at this point is Combat Evolved is back on the PC, but this time remastered.
0: Yeah, so so it was a, it was a quick drop, like no, no real
1: news about it they They released that trailer like a day prior
0: yeah and it's just kind of there and i know that they asked i saw on twitter they were asking like do you guys like these surprise releases do you (laughs) want some more info or do you not care at all i think that's kind of cool yeah i Um, think that they actually like are reaching the community like do you guys actually want you know do you want to request off work like do you want time for these to play or are you liking this as more of like a christmas surprise of like oh cool ce's on there Mm -hmm. now yeah fun
1: yeah and i mean one of the biggest. Improvements that I've seen that they've made is that you can toggle back now the original audio too. Yes, that
0: was one of the biggest things. Whenever you had the updated version with it with the anniversary, was like, no, 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 no. you're using using our audio files now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the
1: only thing it was is visual, yeah, uh, visual representation back of yeah. flashing
0: back and forth. So because with Halo Two, you get the audio, but Dude,
1: when... I didn't notice that. I didn't even know that that uh, the audio wouldn't switch the first time. With the original combat of all the anniversary makes sense until so, originally
0: yeah so so they do with two so they're doing with CE now um, mm-hmm. which definitely makes sense and especially on PC so I'm also very excited with the modding community we have a really cool bonus episode coming up with cursed Halo and with custom editions so it's gonna be really cool what people are gonna do on like
1: actual they, they like, went, up, like 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 yeah. sanctioned modding they I went guess you'd to say? town on Reach that's yes. for sure yes um, they they left no stone stone unturned so this will be the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I've already seen that there's a grunt campaign out there. Incredible. Uh, yeah, where you play as a grunt and you have to fight with your covenant brethren to fight the <laughs> Marines and eventually <laughs> fight Master
1: Chief. Love it. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, we are now feet first into all things 343 Industries. And we are going to be covering the first piece of media that they've released where it's no longer Bungie is involved. They're exactly. out. I mean – Technically, at this point, I think there's they were still kind of screwing around uh, with Reach support, but I digress. So we are going to be talking about Halo Cryptum. And this is one that, I mean, you know, for months we've had people on our Discord giving us back and forth reviews about it, saying they love it, they hate it, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. So it was a long time coming for us because I I skimmed the first few chapters when it first came out, and I was like, nope. And then now we have to do it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> tough.
0: And, and, and for a lot of people, I mean, it depends. If, you, if you're a diehard fan of you know any, any kind of gaming thing or any pop culture thing and you want that deep, dark lore and figure where stuff comes from, I can see where this is your book. Mm-hmm. But for fans who just kind of want that shoot, shoot, kill, kill, do this thing story. I'm that fan. This
1: is not that. Yep, so, no, there's not that much shoot-shoot-kill-killers. No Spartans. Spoiler, no Spartans. <laughs> yes,
0: there are, there are no Spartans. No so, Master so Chief.
1: You are not satiated by Spartans here. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the book itself. Halo Cryptum is the first book to kick off the 343 Industries' vision for the Halo franchise after taking responsibility of Halo. The book is the first in the Forerunner trilogy, telling the story of the forerunners and ancient humanity 100,000 years before the modern events in the Halo timeline. It was written by acclaimed science fiction author Greg Bear, released January 4th, 2011 by Tor Books. The audiobook is narrated by Holter Graham, who we've seen before. We've seen a million we've, times. We've, we've heard before. We've heard before. He is awesome and he kills it in this book as well. Mm-hmm. So always cool to see him come back to do this stuff. So now let's move on to the man himself, Greg bear and greg bear is an american writer from san diego
0: california he was born in san diego august 20th 1951 and by the age of 10 bear had completed his first story in alaska after writing for a year or so and at age 13 he would begin submitting his work to magazines and at age 15 he would sell his first short to famous science fiction so i mean I think at 15, I was just hanging out at the local GameStop, Mm -hmm. drinking some Mountain Dew from the Taco Bell across the street. But you know, that's blast. Oh, gee. Excuse you. (laughs) (laughs) It would then take another five years to sell his next story, though by age 23, he was regular selling his work. Bear would reference Ray Bradbury as the biggest writing influence in his life. He would travel to Southern California to attend his lectures as a teenager, and after they met in 1967, they became lifelong correspondents. He attended San Diego State University and received his Bachelor's of Arts. He also worked at the university for a while as a teaching assistant
1: to Elizabeth Chater, who he would eventually befriend. Bear would work his final, quote-unquote, formal job in the 70s at the La Jolla Bookstore. In 1983, Arkham House would post his first collection of short fiction, The Wind from a Burning Woman. And I only included that as a personal kind of uh, thing I wanted to put in because Arkham House was formed by August Duraleth, who was one of H.P. Lovecraft's really good friends. And he started that right after Lovecraft had passed to mm-hmm. release some of his stuff. And it's still going on today. So awesome. That was a personal interest of mine that I threw in there if you liked that. So be it if not, too bad. <laughs> In the 80s, he would also work as a freelance journalist from time to time. He would also lecture at many San Diego schools around this time, conducting short classes around ancient history, the history of science and science fiction and fantasy. Now, additionally, he's gone on to, and I've taken this, this huge quote from his biography, and it's pretty crazy everything he's gone to do. So, quote, "...lecture at the FBI headquarters, consulted with the U.S. Army and the State Department on biosecurity matters post-9-11 consulted at Microsoft as well as Microsoft's Xbox division Google and other software companies and served as a crypto disease creator slash coordinator and master of ceremonies on a panel of health law and food safety experts at the 2007 International Agency for Food Protection and he was also the master of ceremonies at the Homeland Security Conference in Washington DC in 2008 why is he writing books I don't. He's, why is he doing this? Why did he could do just one of these things? Guys, I am
0: literally a spy slash chef slash coordinator slash
1: <laughs> everything else Master you need of me to be. Ceremony. I like it was to the point. I just as I had to copy and paste. I, don't know, I was like, I can't just. Type all of this and the amount of stuff that he's doing and we you know we know him as a writer and then i read his biography and i was like oh i kind of want to put this
0: in my bio on my website and see if (laughs) anyone questions it because i'm not going to question this (laughs) i'm just going to assume this all happened so i think the same must be said for me
1: exactly so he has also written works in grand universes such as darwin halo the way war dogs star trek star wars and quantum logic
0: other notable pieces that Greg Bear has written was the novelization of Blood Music, Hard Fought, and Petra, all of which won Bear several awards. Mm-hmm. And Greg Bear has won the Five Hugo and Two Nebula Awards and has written over 50 books. He is also one of the co-founders of the San Diego Comic-Con, as mm-hmm. we know it today. His novels have been translated into 19 different languages. He has written fantasy and horror novels as well on top of his already, you know, huge amount of of fantasy and sci-fi stuff. Mm -hmm. He has also gone on to be a founding member of the Association of Science Fiction Artists. And you learn it a little bit later, if you do the audiobook, that his son is super influential in kind of what he does with the book and later himself becomes a writer. Yep. You know, they, they kind of like following in your dad's footsteps and never being able to achieve these footsteps ever in your life. No one ever will, apparently. No. But finally, Bear was the first person to write about nanotechnology. He's currently married and he has three children. One mm-hmm. that's probably a
1: great author that could never amount to what dad <laughs> has done. It would be pretty impressive if he did. If yeah. he's like, he's sitting there, he's like 80 years old. He's like, I've done it, I've yeah. outdone my dad. I feel, like, I feel like that was when I had a beard a few years ago. My dad told me one day, he said, uh, I think your beard is bigger than mine. I said, I beat you. <laughs> That's the exact thing I said. It's time to, to go, Dad. I'm, I'm winning. <laughs> so, now let's move on to writing the book itself, Halo Cryptum. So, Greg Baer described writing for the Halo universe as a sci fi homecoming. 343 Industries was looking for an author in early 2009 to write their first major book release for the Halo franchise that would lead fans into Halo 4. They had realized by the time of Halo 3, the Forerunners were only being teased, but given no real backstory other than the Halo 3 terminals, which, granted, I want everyone to know, because we talked about this, Frank O'Connor helped write those. Yeah. So, remember, I've had people mention, well, well, you know, Bungie was kind of teasing it, like... Frank O'Connor was helping them. That's why it's mentioned of the didact and librarian in those.
0: Yes. And that's why he had a huge hand in this as well, mm-hmm. because this is kind of like his baby that he was incubating in three.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Frank O'Connor would meet with Tor Books editor, Eric Rabb, to discuss who should write the trilogy. In the meeting, Frank O'Connor threw out a few names of some popular sci-fi writers, telling Rab, quote, we wanted someone of Greg Bear's caliber that hard sci-fi grandeur that he handled so well in Eon and Anvil of the Stars. And Rab told O'Connor that he actually knew Greg Bear, and that he was going to get a hold of his agent. So he's like, oh, I know him. I'll just call his agent. Mm-hmm. So when he was asked to write the books about the Forerunners, Greg Bear replied with, well, that would be interesting. Right then and there, 343 Industries had their first choice for who was going to write the books. Mm-hmm. And Greg Bear was actually very familiar with the Halo series.
0: Growing up, his son was an avid Halo fan, and Bear refers to this, you know, as his son was the Halo expert in the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have a conversation with us, Greg Bear's son, I don't know your name right yeah, now. Yeah, i never achieve what your dad did. <laughs> <laughs> Bear himself even played some of the games with his son. Years later, when it came time to write the first book, he was able to work with not only O'Connor and the rest of the team at 343 Industries, but his son as well. Bear and O'Connor would spend many hours hashing out the details and overall story for the book and the trilogy as a whole. Bear was given a lot of freedom when writing the book. Much to his surprise, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're coming into this knowing the games, knowing this, and they go, yeah, just put these few details in and thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So It, it made it. A lot for him and, and, and the whole trilogy itself. Yeah. And here's the thing with Bear. like He was even more surprised to see characters and backstories he created make their way into Halo 4.
1: Mm-hmm. That he was actually shaping the 343i universe. Yeah, exactly. So Microsoft would announce that Bear was officially going to write the trilogy for Halo at the Emerald City Comic Con in 2009. And it was met with an overwhelming amount of glee from fans. Bear said that the fans' positive reaction with his involvement in the universe was some of the best that he had ever seen when it comes to writing for anything. Mm -hmm. So Bear would express that the most difficult part about writing the novel, though, was trying to beat the fans' creativity. He knew that fans had came up with so many brilliant theories and ideas about the Forerunners. But instead of bouncing off of those, he would return to his roots and look to quote-unquote, master science fiction writers such as Olaf Stapleton, Arthur C. Clarke, and Doc Smith. He also struggled with mixing all of his projects together because at the time of writing Cryptum, he was also working on three other projects. Hmm. So he writes, I think he said three or four books at a time. So when he gets burnt out on one, you jump moves to the, next, on to the one, next one. And you
0: kind of get the refreshed of like, oh, yeah, this is the universe of this.
1: Mm, yeah. So despite this, Frank O'Connor would have minimal edits when he would read drafts in over him from Bear. Now, in fact, as Alex had just stated, 343 loved what he was doing so much that they said, we we got to take some of these characters, some of these backstories, and we have to put them in our game.
0: Yeah. And, and, and to make sense of it, because you're not just going to write the books and just let it play out. This was... I think in the first time, really, we're seeing the books dictate the game as mm-hmm. opposed to the games coming out and the books kind of dictating everything else around the game. Yeah. that makes sense. It's kind of telling more of a backstory, whereas this is giving you, okay, here's kind of who you're going to see when you step into Master Chief's boots yeah.
1: again. Well, I mean, we'll talk about this in our Halo 4 episode, but Frank O'Connor was at a point, he said, you know, he's the, he's the franchise director development or development director whatever his freaking title is and he said everything counts everything's tied together whether or not that's how it should have worked out is be you know neither here nor there but that's that's where that mentality came out and Mm -hmm. he said every book comic everything you read it's all tied together and it gives you a better understanding of everything else and bringing us back to the book at hand not only was
0: the name but the cover art for said book would be released in October 2010, created by Nicholas Bouvet, a.k.a. Sparth. The cover art itself was concept art for Halo 4. So they're kind of bringing in the idea of like, what are we going to do? What are we do, mm-hmm. are we do to this game? We got, we got a bunch of leftover concept art. Slap it on there. <laughs> Throw, make it a book cover. Yeah. <laughs> when it came to what 343 Industries wanted out of the cover, O'Connor had this to say, quote, We wanted to capture the essence and scope of the book and, more importantly, the Forerunner universe. There are some hints at the nature of the story in that image, and it's essentially a scene from the universe presented in the game. The art is supposed to convey the sense of wonder that all of our main protagonists feel at the scale and scope of the Forerunner technology. Didn't work.
1: They tried. <laughs> <laughs> so fans could actually get an early preview of the book through Tor Books website. On December 22nd, 2010, the publishing company would post the first chapter of the book on their website, and with Halo posting the second chapter on their website, Halo Waypoint. Smart marketing, mm-hmm. yes. So on January 4th, 2011, there would be a launch party at the University Bookstore in Seattle, Washington, where Greg Bear, Frank O'Connor, Kevin Grace, and Eric Rabb would meet fans and discuss the book and its writing process. So now let's, let's just throw in some additional trivia. Who loves tri- who doesn't love trivia? Or who loves trivia? Honestly, <laughs> <The> trivia
0: <laughs> the best. <laughs> and to give you a little of this uh, little, little trivia tidbits, we might say, Greg Bear was originally approached to write a short story for Evolutions, but declined, wanting to write a full book. Mistake. Eric Rab <laughs> helped with the story of the book, so not only like helped with the publishing, but kind of brought the story the, together. Yeah, mm-hmm. And the working title for the book was Anti Devolian. Anti Devolian, right?
1: I, I think that was Latin. I could
0: be wrong. It's a big word. It's a big word. Anti-Diluvian. Dil- mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It's not the title anymore, so
1: <laughs> just read what you got to read. So now let's move on to the characters that we meet for this book itself. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the Forerunners. So then we have Born Stellar Makes Eternal Lasting. So that's going to be our protagonist, our, mm-hmm. our main character with main it. Main boy. Then we have the Didact, the Librarian, Born Stellar's father- his mother, and his sister. All by name, of course. <laughs> Father, mother, sister. <laughs> then we have Faber, the master builder, splendid dust of ancient suns, glory of a far dawn, the confirmer, and calyx. Now, when we have the humans, we have Chakas, riser, and matriarch of guides. Moving on now to the Sing Shayum, we have Sustaining wind. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> He's very stinky. It, it, was, it sounds like a fart <laughs> joke. You know, Greg Bear's like, I'm going to make a fart joke. And then uh. as far as artificial intelligences, or what they call them, they call them Ancillas mm-hmm. in this, we have Mendicate Bias, Bornstellar's Ancilla, and The Warden. And then finally, for precursors, we have The Primordial. So with that being said, you know who Greg Bear is. You know the writing process that went into making this book. And now we are familiar with some characters, familiar as in you know their name. Mm -hmm. Not really familiar, but you will be. So now let's go into the book itself. A very controversial story, mind you.
0: Yes. uh, The biggest synopsis and summary to give you this before we read it, it's kind of a coming of age tale. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, it's a coming of age tale, but in an encyclopedia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like it's so it's it's definitely the story because we're going to follow born stellar makes eternal lasting or just born stellar to be short we're going to follow his journey to kind of his not exile from his family but his, he, his ra- he runs away from home for a little bit correct yes because he's a manipular which is kind of before first form so so there's we'll explain this a little bit later but the you have different forms you can be and and it yeah. seems almost like puberty in a way mm-hmm. cuz like you have your your paternal parents your father kind of helps you guide you through these typically mm-hmm. is what it seems like but he's kind of like baby form. He's like, if we're in Digimon, he's like Agumon. He's like, mm-hmm. he's not he's not
1: tiny one, but he's like one above that. He's not Greymon or War Greymon or yeah, anything he's just, like he's that. He's just regular Agumon. We just watched the Digimon movie recently, so you might hear some more Digimon references. It's going to be entirely Digimon <laughs> references. But we we start out seeing that he refused to follow in his
0: father's footsteps mm-hmm. as a builder. And we're going to see there's multiple classes in the foreign structure. Well,
1: dude, construction sucks, man. You don't want to do that. No. So there's there's, there's builders, there's warriors, there's very... Other aspects to it, life workers. Yeah, uh, there's multiple classes that they kind of break into. And if correct me if I'm wrong, we don't know his name just yet.
0: Not yet, not yet. Yeah. It, we're, we're, this is actually a, a first-person point of view as well. He's, he's from, writing his diary. Yes, it's Born Steller's diary, basically. Mm-hmm. So anytime there's a first-person point in the book, it is Born Steller going on about this. Yeah, Because he's kind of a cocky, smug kid. He's like, I ran away from home. I don't want to be a builder. And his dad threw him over to the miners on EDOM, I believe it is, which is
1: in the soul system. So it's in our system. Yeah. But once again, this is 100,000 years ago, though. Well, they also never clarify this, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Again, they never say one hundred thousand years ago. They never do. And I had to ask you this at first I'm like, how far
0: how far is this away? Like mm-hmm. it's obviously not any close to what we've we've heard or read so far, but which, how
1: far away? Which are which we? Past or future.
0: Like we don't know. <laughs> exactly. Especially because this is really if you never read any of the ancillary stuff from the universe mm-hmm. you
1: have no idea yeah because it was a lot of 343 and greg bear saying set 100 thousand years in the past but then you pick up this book and you're like what and this is one of the books in the halo
0: universe that we're not getting timestamps.
1: stamps
0: mm-hmm. yeah because just... bungie had that in pretty much all their books was was each chapter for the most part, gave you like the time date stamp mm-hmm. of kind of where stuff was going so you can kind of track how, how we're doing, whether it's on Reach or whether we're on a different planet. It's, it, it goes yeah. that way. We just needed one. We're just asking for one. I just one. wanted one, like like 100,000 <laughs> years before the Halo incident. You could say that. And mm-hmm. people would be like, yeah. understandable. Mm-hmm. But we start off with this guy. He goes into a lot of Forerunner history to start. Yeah. About the Builders, about the Warriors, about his father sending him away. And... He's living with miners, which is below the builder class. So, And from what we can kind of tell is it seems like builders are upper middle. Upper middle for sure. I, mean, I would say at least that. And, they're, they're above a good amount of people. Yeah. Um, so, so to be a minor seems to be low. So he, he was sent there and he's like, you know what? No, 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 no. You know who my idol is? In 100,000 years, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and so he he goes off to escape to a nearby world, de Tyrene, which we learn is this kind of ancient human home world. Mm-hmm. And
1: if you're not already confused by this book when you're starting... I read the book and I'm already kind of confused about your your very too-long-didn't-read explanation of it. Yes.
0: <laughs> but... So, so so he meets these humans and he goes in because we learned that he's actually hunting for some artifacts. Does he ever say why he does this? I don't think so. Or is it just kind of like a... a I think it was more so to kind of understand more about history. Mm-hmm. And, and, and correct us all if you're wrong, if we're terribly wrong. But from my understanding of the book uh-huh. is he's doing this... In the way of like wanting to understand the precursors, because he's
1: looking for precursor artifacts. Yeah, they they, they always bring up the precursors, but yes. they never say who they are. They're Like, I'm looking for precursor stuff. This is a precursor building, but they're never like for all the wiki articles we got out of this, we never got one of those until later on, or maybe the next books. I don't remember. No, not, not to this, because this was just a very vague
0: idea of, it, especially at the beginning, mm-hmm. because he ends up meeting uh, Chakas and Riser. When he is on the planet, because mm-hmm. because this whole time it's kind of been in his mind. It's just been giving you us the audience, kind of this like, hey, so you wonder how I got here, and it gives Record you that scratch, yeah, and it gives you all that kind of bef- beforehand stuff. Now it speeds us up to meeting Shaka and Riser, who end up being his guide, surprisingly
1: for some reason, yeah, like, and it also like goes into doesn't they, he they take a ship. To a different planet, correct? At this point. Yes. So so when they're on Air Day they they kind of talk a bit and he
0: he thinks because most of the foreigners think that the Sanchium and the humans are way below them.
1: Yeah, they're like knuckle draggers essentially. They're, yeah. It's almost like as if they kind of are really. They they really are primitive.
0: They they definitely are. It, it very much seems compared like,
1: to forerunners.
0: Yes. And it seems very BC. Mm-hmm. On this planet, where it's like, oh, we're gonna go try and harvest this fruit and this random thing. We don't have any tools. We don't have the stuff. And there's mm-hmm. no tech. And we'll learn a l- little bit later why that is. But they're like, okay, so let's get off planet.
1: We'll come with you. We'll guide you because mm-hmm. it feels like we should. Yeah, yeah. They're just kind of like, we're gonna do this. Yeah. Um, so and well, because because Shaka's is a regular person mm-hmm. like you and me. But then we have Riser, who's my dude. I'll say Riser's the saving grace of this book. Uh, for the, until he's not in the book, but he's, he's always oh, like what? Three foot tall. Uh, and I think Greg bear said it is based on some kind of, uh, uh, human ancestor that we had in the past, like three foot tall. It's kind of like a kind of small chromagnon type yeah, thing. His vocabulary is not all there. Like uh shotgun he is. He talks normally, but, mm-hmm. and they go in this weird history at one point about how he has memories. Of, like, all his ancestors at yeah. one point, and he lives thousands of years long, which that part's not real. Our, our, our ancestors did not do that. But he's a fun time. Yeah, he is it, a fun time. I like this guy.
0: And it's kind of cool because Shakus is kind of like the law and order of it and kind of the stickler. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of sets the rules, whereas we see it Riser's kind of just
1: like, let's go adventure, let's figure this stuff out. I eat fruit, I bring fruit. And apparently he has an even longer name than Bornsteller because he makes Shakus tell born stellar at one point he's like tell him my name tell him my name mm-hmm. and then he does and it's goofy i like this guy he's wild card he he's charlie from sunny a hundred percent so
0: so they end up leaving air er de tyrene so they mm-hmm. do learn that was left under the stewardship of the librarian as they start yep. to go through they figure out like okay so she kind of left it here and they go over to the uh I think it's Demokin crater demotion crater something like that Demokin, demotion and and this is where they explore through, they're hunting, they're finding fruit, they're doing all these fun things yeah. you do in a buddy-buddy fun comedy.
1: I, I want to note that he was forced to leave, uh, uh, Bornstellar, he was forced to leave his armor on the ship for, for some reason. And. He said that that's like if you're walking around naked because their armor can make you go years without having to eat or anything like mm-hmm. that. It has an encilla in it that just talks to you all the time. It's it's, it's kind of like Mjolnir Mark 30. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's
0: like basically if you have an exoskeleton that makes your gelatinous form – Perfect. Yeah, and so
1: that was a big deal. They had to leave that behind.
0: Yeah, leave on the ship because every time he looked at his armor, there was like some big dude there. There was like cross his arms and be like, Mm-mm. <laughs> the cliche guy would like walk and be like, mm mm. Yeah, so so he had to leave it back. And and he had even an in inner monologue like, I don't think my my skin has ever felt like sand because they they eventually make it to this this crater and they discover a cryptum and mm-hmm. they discover the sand that's there and he's like, I've never felt yep anything like this. I've been in my
1: armor, what seems like my whole life. Yeah, and so this is just. Odd, yeah, and he had suspected multiple times that he thinks he was gonna get killed by Chaka Sunriser. He's like, They're gonna kill me, yeah, like I'm done for, like that's what this is all about. Yeah, he's like, Humans can't be trusted, they're just savages,
0: mm-hmm. and what they're gonna do is they're trying to get me unarmed and unarmored, yeah, and just take me out.
1: Oh, remember, at one point, the, the ship that they took was steam powered, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a big thing, is that they're starting to like evolve, you know, yes, because because we learned in
0: the anime, which the first two parts, which one was that? Origins. On origins, origins, correct. Origins 1 and 2, that whenever kind of the world got wiped out by the Halo rings, spoiler, that all of these civilizations, some of them were established. Mm-hmm. And some of them were kind of primordial in a way. Yeah. But they all kind of learn it again. So mm-hmm. this is kind yep, of where they're learning it again. They're now up to steam power, yeah. eating fruit, living the yeah. life. And so, so we're at you know, that, that kind of era of humanity. It's BC with steam power. It's it's bizarre. It's a sci-fi thing. He's like, dude, I got to, I got to throw some steampunk in. <laughs> they're wearing goggles. They're not. But so, so they do that. Big they, mustaches and canes. Giant mustaches, huge canes, huge top hats are kind of torn. It's beautiful. <laughs> but they do come along a cryptum. Yep. And that's where things get a little interesting. Yes. So this is where we learn that a cryptum is a warrior keep. It's kind of where you're just kept in stasis. Mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to describe you don't it. Sleep, yeah. Like and and you don't mess with it. Yeah, you just, if, if you see one, you back up. You you run away. You just leave. But this is where Bornsberg is interested because he's like, okay, there's. It's, it's very interesting because that it's guarded by war sphinxes. Another thing that kind of just threw in there, and we're discovering that yeah that. that with these they haven't seen in a while they're they're almost ancient to these people at that time mm-hmm. where it's like
1: oh war sphinxes that's a that's a ship that's kind of an ai it's like a a, a, a t-rex without a head or arms from what i've i i, I looked up some sketches of it because i was so confused of what this thing was yeah and the, the premise of it is that it's ai controlled that there's no mm. like
0: actual like thinking involved it's just kind of controlled on measurements yeah and and through the ai and and while he's discovering this, he sees that the humans,
1: for some reason, know the password to this place. Yeah, they start doing some kind of song or chant. All yep. of a sudden, uh, they go undertaker. The eyes roll in the back of their head. Like it's just like, and, and we'll talk about in the Halo Four episode. Supposedly, one of the tracks where there's some chanting is the is what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But but we learned that that's because it's the, it's the Gias, correct? Mm-hmm. That the librarian coded into their brain that eventually. All of them would come there, and the humans were singing this song or this chant that would unlock the cryptum, but it was it was almost like a fugue state, because all of a sudden, they snapped out of it. They're like, what just happened? Yeah. So, yeah, that's when the cryptum opens, and that's when we see the didact, which I think sellers thinks he's dead at one point, mm-hmm. right? Like, But it, it's it's weird, because he then goes into this five-hour process, five or ten-hour process of reviving him, because there's this ai saying like stick the feeding tube in him and all this stuff cuz it's like he's like a he's like a raisin and they're mm-hmm. like all right got to fuel him back up yeah we got to make him a grape again yep uh, and so so that basically is what happens and then eventually the didact does come out and i think it isn't like his first words like did they fire it yet mm-hmm. or did they fire the damn things or something like that so immediately we're like oh something so he's he's coming out of this with anticipation uh whether it's good or bad we don't know mhm and then he He finally gets out of it, but he's he's acting very uh uh passively towards the humans and born stellar he's almost like ignoring them right mm-hmm. he's kind of like batmaning it up like looking off in the distance and I think like shakas is is you know knows that he's a he's a warrior servant who had fought the humans and kind of put them where they are so there's automatically tension there yeah, because both the humans like you said can kind of tap into ancestral
0: things for some reason like thousands mm-hmm. of years and be like no you you fought the human war. Yeah,
1: you bad. We know you. You bad.
0: Yeah, and, and he he starts to finally kind of address Bornstar. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so these are humans? He's like, no, 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 no. They're just here. Yeah. They're not mine. I'm not associated with them because obviously that forerunner human feud mm-hmm. of it being like, we're much superior. They're not mine. I have nothing they're, to do with them. They're literally
1: like dogs to us. That's that's how they look at it. If, I want, if you yeah. want to put it in comparison, they look at them they're like they're dogs.
0: Yeah, and, and so he's like... As we go on, he he tells them, "Is like, this is
1: now your crew. These are your people. Mm-hmm. You need to understand them. Your you a Spartan to... Company. You guys are going to work for that uh, Achilles armor. It's going to be great."
0: Yeah, that's pretty much pretty much the the gist of it. Is they have a couple of conversations, but he says, "Listen, stop putting them down, because like these, this is your crew. These are your people mm-hmm. now. Like, you need to watch each other's backs." Yeah, um, and at this point, we we notice that. There happens to be some It's like a, a fleet
1: comes in? He's a
0: yeah, it's a full fleet of foreigner ships that happen to be alerted to the Didek's presence, you know, of coming about. Whether they yeah, had he's like, got like a beacon that's like, he's awake, he's awake, he's awake. Yeah, and, and they try and hide at the central region of this crater, and he's kind of like, well, I, I know they're there. Well, let's let them think I don't know they're there. Mm-hmm. Born stellar. Guess what? I got something for you. I gotta let you know. I got this wife, mm-hmm. she's a librarian, I don't know if you heard of her, but, you know, we kind of had this thing, and, and I made a riff, and, and
1: I'm here, and I need to find her. Yeah, well, doesn't he ask, like, where, where's my wife? And they're like, it's just us. Uh, so he's trying to figure out, why did my wife only send you three? Yeah, because he, he's, he's almost like, what is this? Why did she not
0: come herself? Is she setting up some weird puzzle or riddle? And he's like, okay, never mind. You guys are part of her plan.
1: So you're coming with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. he. Yeah. That's one of the things he's like, you're coming with me. No questions asked. Just I'm sorry, but you have to come. Yeah. Because you are all
0: part of this human and foreigner alike because you knew these words and because you
1: happened to lead them there. Like she must have planned all this out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you have to come. And then that's when they, you know, they're hiding from that fleet. That fleet comes and goes. And that's when Didak's like, okay, listen, we're, we're leaving the planet I have to take us somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when they go to Sharam Hakor because he, again, he's searching for something. He's being really vague. He still hasn't been that open with them and they get on this planet, all four of them. But once they're on the planet, the didact's really confused because he notices that it's a precursor planet and all the structures are destroyed. And Bornstellar's like, hold up. Like you can't destroy structures. They're indestructible. And they also notice there's no no signs of life on there whatsoever. And so that's when the Didact is starting to pick things up. Like, okay, they came here and they tested this thing. Mm-hmm. They never really knew what, but he's like, they did a test of this thing. And then they find this, this is where they find that capsule, right? And it's open. And then the Didact's freaking out because there's this giant capsule. And he said that the Seng uh made it and there was no way that anything could break out of it. And then the humans added just a... a extra padlock on it essentially and it's open yeah and so something's gone not not sure what but something is gone so basically now they it's just on to the next one because they have to go to the next world essentially which is yeah which is fauna core Uh where they're also discovering that
0: once again the entire place has been eradicated Mm -hmm. like no plant life no animal life Nothing of living, breathing descent that had a nervous
1: system is what they're kind of discovering. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're familiar with Halo lore, you can start putting two and two together, but I digress. We'll go, we'll go about that later on. But yeah, so this is when they they have a Born Stellar and the Didact have an interesting conversation because he says that with his Prometheans, he says, we know everything about each other. That's how we can fight so well Mm -hmm. because we like share our memories and all this stuff. And he says, I have to be able to do that with you, but you're not a Promethean. You're a builder. You're a manipular. So we have to put you through this process. That's going to change you and make you a warrior servant. Mm -hmm. But he does say, but it's your choice. He says, we can only go farther in this journey if you, accept this transformation but i'm not making you do this transformation this is on you so at the time you know he's just saying if you want to be a warrior servant like let's do this all kind of confusing because again you're talking about like this kind of puberty thing going on and he's still kind of a kid yeah because what we can you know with just with no other outside
0: sources just inferring mm-hmm. from the book because that's what we kind of want to do with all these sources mm-hmm. is it seems like as a forerunner, you go through various stages of life through mutation. Yeah. Because I think there's up to, like, level six we see in this of,
1: like, different variations that people yeah. can kind of become. And I don't know if they're necessarily interchangeable, but I think you can through this mutation because it eventually... He doesn't, he tries it once mm-hmm. and it doesn't stick. Like, I, I guess that's the best way to take it. Like, he passes out and then he wakes back up. He's like, Did it work? He's like, No. So now we have to go to this guy in order to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where we meet the only Sing Shyum, right? Yeah. So, so so they go and they meet this guy, the confirmer.
0: Yeah. So they leave Planet. They they, they have the idea of okay, these were Seng Shyum planets like like they're they're thinking of like we need to talk to them and figure out what Mm -hmm. happened here because they're supposed to be like we're like okay what was in that pod why did the shang shum Shum open that pod
1: how could this have ever happened yeah we need to go talk to them to see what's going on i want to add is as they were traveling uh the didact made riser and chakas get in forerunner armor Mm -hmm. at one point and i think they were like trying to resist it And they even talk about how, like, Riser is having conversations with the Ancilla in it. The blue lady. The blue lady, yeah, that he sees in the back of his mind. And I love that reference, because that's how Chief describes Cortana's in the back of his mind. He even talks about later on, he's like, I don't like the blue lady. Mm -hmm. He's a simple guy. Because
0: he he first asks, can I marry the blue lady? (laughs) And then, like, after, like, a day with her, he's like, I... Never mind. I don't even want, don't want lady. to
1: and, and at one point, and you brought this up before we started recording, is he he bites the Didact's hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Didact is, what, 11 foot tall? Or maybe he might have... Yeah, he's about 11 foot tall. And this guy's three foot tall. And he bites his hand because I think Didact was trying to help him with the armor. So, like, he's still kind of a little feral little guy, but he's also a fun little guy. Yeah, because the Didact brings
0: it up, too, when he's talking about Bornstellar, about the humans. He's like, listen, you actually got... Some pretty cool guys with you, like, uh, yeah. like ones that can fight and like have like the gumption.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because because Us as well has that insight, and he kind of you know doesn't doesn't take any crap. He just he's he's looking at everything surface level, mm-hmm. essentially.
0: Yeah, because because we know that Bornstar never gets his armor back.
1: Mm-hmm. He never yeah. gets
0: this, his forerunner armor. He gets this kind of Promethean. Mm-hmm. Armor that they put onto the humans, they put onto him. It's the same stuff that the Didact's kind of putting
1: together. Yeah, so I mean, at least Shaka and Riser got some some badass armor out of it, mm-hmm. and Riser can say that he bit the Didact. It's true. So, yeah, and, and this is where we meet our, our Sang-Shayum friend. What's his name? How could you forget? He's the the dirty one. He's the fart guy. The f- <laughs> Eternal Wind? Yes, that's e- correct. Eternal Wind. And this guy, like, he's known the Didact for thousands of years. He's known them. He knew, he knew them when this whole war was going on because we learn that the Sang-Shayum and the humans at one point teamed up to fight against the Forerunners. But then the sang Shayum made a deal with the Forerunners They said, well, back off. Mm-hmm. Just take take our technology. Mm-hmm. Humanity would not back off, though. So we learned that the Forerunners de-evolutioned them or de-evolutionized them, whatever that word is.
0: Yeah, pretty, pretty much took out like their scientists, their tech, anything they had, and pretty much restricted them to one world. We learned later that humanity was actually spreading pretty hardcore mm-hmm. one way.
1: Because something the other way was kind of forcing them to do it. Yeah, so they're getting chased out of where they were They were from, and that's what led to the the war with the Forerunners, mm-hmm. and then... Led to kind of this
0: overcrowding of planets in the area.
1: Yeah. Of, you know, like, whoa, 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 we had a buffer, now yeah. we've got this, this is kind of weird. Yeah, and so then, you know, it led to a war, the Shayum, the humanity, the Forerunners. Forerunners got, you know, de-evolved the humans, and that's where we are now. Mm-hmm. So we're talking to this you know we meet up with this one Sang Shayum, the only one we see he's an old dude he partied a little too hard when he was young cuz now he just he he oversees all the Sang Shayum who are correct me if i'm wrong they're they're confined to two worlds, correct? One yes. or two worlds, or yeah, it's, it's two it's, worlds. It's two worlds, and they have like a ferry between them or something. Mm-hmm. But they're are really not supposed to Mm-mm. go to another. They're not supposed to move. And the didact finds out that our boy Eternal Wind or whatever his fart name is has <laughs> kind of <laughs> really just not cared and it's like, yeah, they kind of go wherever they want. I, I I let them, and they're even like leaving the world. And I, I think, think the foreigners just don't. The, the, the foreigners don't really care. They're kind of just
0: like, well, we'll look over them, but they're going to do their thing right now.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, again, we find out uh, Eternal Wind or whatever, he's known Didact for thousands of years. And so he's he's quick to be like, yeah, sure, you and your other four hundred buddy could come on, but no humans allowed. And yes. this is where they have that debate where it's just like, well, I need these humans to come. And he's like, well, no humans. He's like, but they're part of this journey. And then he's like okay so then they 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 sit down for a while and they have a chat they drink this weird green liquid that they talked about that's in dusty cups apparently this guy's not living well yeah it was like dirty cups and what's it i i think i think what you're thinking
0: about is the confirmer okay so, okay so so stanky farts we haven't met yet we'll eventually get to windy but we're actually talking with the Confirmer. Who, okay, okay, Yeah. He's, okay. he's a Promethean that that kind of not, he doesn't guard the worlds, but he's kind of like the the soldier who kind of goes between them, and he's kind of mm-hmm. like, meh, do what they want. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm trying, I got no one else. Yeah, because then he brings out some like dirty cups and like dusty, like brandy basically, and he's like, yeah. here's a drink. And then the Didact just like slams it down, and he's like, ooh, that's actually... It's actually pretty rare.
1: <laughs> You're supposed to sip that, son. Yeah, like, what that, are you that's doing? A, that's, a,
0: that's a sipping whiskey there, <laughs> and he's just like they talk a bit, and the confirmer kind of leads them to be like, "Okay, you know what? You can go down the world. It's fine, 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 fine. Bring the humans. Okay, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it because we're G's. Yeah, and that's when they they pour the drinks again, and the didact sips it. So like, mm-hmm. I think he had like he like shit on his respect at first, and was like. Nah, screw this guy. And then he's like, Okay,
1: I, I see you, Promethean. Yeah. I'll sip with you. And he even he, he even after all this though, he, he talks to Bornsteller and he says, I don't trust this guy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an old cliche of like these two friends who haven't seen each other for years meet, but then, you know, the guy's like, I don't trust my friend. He's probably uh, in leagues with the enemy. I, I don't know. And it, it, it did kind of play off of that cliche a little bit.
0: Yeah, because they needed to meet with him to get confirmation to be allowed to go to the planet. And then finally, when they do get access to go down to the homeworld of the sanctium, so they're going down... To jandraquam
1: Correct. And you see that there's a double-cross type mm-hmm. idea of it going on. Yeah, because all of a sudden... The didax, you know, old rival, ancient enemy, the master builder appears. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, Will Ferrell. <laughs> is that a Lego reference? Yes. Okay, he's
0: the dad in it. <laughs> I've I've seen it. I just no, you have. You have no idea what Legos are. Oh she, All right, whatever. All right, whatever. <laughs> yes, um, and and this is where we do get Eternal Wind is kind
1: of right by his side. Mm, yeah. So so Master Builder, another character I do like. He stands out for me yes. more than anyone else in this one because he is cunning, he is devious. He's a baddie. He's a baddie, dude. And I love Forerunner baddies, cause mm-hmm. at this point really we, we've we've had some moral dilemmas with what the, the the Forerunners have done, but there's never been like an established like he is a bad guy. But this guy shows up and he captures the Didact born stellar Shockus, and riser mm-hmm. and-, and, and, and to backtrack just a little bit for you we had
0: talked about kind of his failed transformation before mm-hmm. but right before this uh we have that born stellar is approached by the diet again is like you have to go through this now like we i i need you to go through this process yeah it's no longer a choice like this has to happen we have to do it it's gonna suck like you're gonna sleep forever But, like, we have to do this before we go. And so he goes through that first transformation Mm. and becomes uh, disgusting.
1: Yeah, it's like he's physically starting to, like, change a bunch. And, like, at first it was, like, really, really painful. Like Mm -hmm. So it was kind of, like, comparable to, like, the the Spartans and their augmentation.
0: Exactly. And that's kind of what what you think of it as. And Mm -hmm. he's kind of, like, if you put the caterpillar and you didn't have a chrysalis and you just had to watch the caterpillar disgustingly form into a butterfly, it's kind mm-hmm. of where we are.
1: Yeah, so this is mid, mid-butterfly mid boy right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then, of course, as I said, the, the master builder shows up and he takes... He takes... uh mm-hmm. blah, 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 Shock us. Takes the humans the, and he, he takes a
0: Didact prisoner.
1: Yeah, and to even go back a little further, this is way back, but this, this just occurred to me and something I want to throw in there is that he... Uh, the didact told Bornsteller, and I don't know if this was a literal thing, but he said that the essence of his children are in all of those war sphinxes. Correct. And yes. I think that, I think that was that was
0: literal, literal way okay, that, okay. that that
1: those war sphinxes were
0: the. Essence and embodiment of spirit
1: of his children who had passed. Yeah, because they said that there was a technology in the War Sphinx that would keep their dying moments and their essence. That way they could learn about how they died and how and, to correct that. And that's
0: where we had talked about before where Bornsteller thought, oh, there's AIs controlling them. But he's like, no, there's
1: definitely something more to them because yeah, they're understanding things. One of them said, suck it up to Bornsteller at one point. He was really confused by that. And yeah, and correct me. Is this where we lose those war sphinxes? This is where we
0: lose everything because okay, as yeah. they're coming down, they just get shot up and torn to pieces, and all the war sphinxes are taken out, mm-hmm. and the diadic is left without any of his children. And he's he's shackled up basically yeah. uh, and imprisoned with them. And as this goes along with the Master Builder, he's kind of revealing his plan because on the way down, we had born had seen one of the Halos up there and kind of understand what it was, but kind of saw that something was shifting into place. Mm-hmm. And as they're going through this trial, you have the Master Builder come over and like, hey, you disgusting ugly thing. Oh, I actually know you. I know your father. Yeah. So because I know your family, I'm going to get you off planet.
1: Yeah. And we could see he's kind of torturing the Didact, though. Mm-hmm. And then it, correct me if I'm wrong. He doesn't know where Shaka Sunriser are, though. He sees the Didact, but he doesn't know where those two are. They're not in the room, correct? No, they were in the room, but I believe they were either taken or something was going on because they're
0: left at that planet no matter what.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But but so we see the didact getting tortured through, I forget how, like electricity or something. But yeah. So luckily, Bornstellar's like, okay, you're a family friend, I guess. So he sends him on his way. He says, you know, I know your father. I, I'm not going to do that to him. Yeah. He sends him back to the Orion complex
0: Which still kind of leads me to believe that this is supposed to be the actual soul system because you have like Orion's belt and all Mm -hmm. those other things. So I think it's within the system that we call Earth today, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, so they go back to the Orion complex and he unfortunately had to leave his two humans and Didact behind. They were realizing that whenever the master builder was questioning our boy that he had no answers to it he's like I have no idea what you're talking about Mm -hmm. and so I think that helped him because he's like oh you actually don't know my plan and you don't know what the die deck has told you Mm -hmm. so you're you're just a dumb chick chicken that we can kind of let out and go wow that master builder what a guy! But we want to thank our sponsor, Audible, as always. Audible is an amazing service that allows you to get audiobooks that can listen to any of your amazing programs that you want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Especially as we're reading uh, all of the Foreigner trilogy, or we have Glasslands coming up soon. So jump into any of those. But as always, if you visit audibletrial.com/slash finish the fight, you'll be able to get a free audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yours to keep which is super awesome and like I said that's how Jesse and I listen to all this so again that's audibletrial.com slash finish the fight helps support
1: us helps get you an audio book and uh, speed you right through yeah, and I think it'll even help uh, Bornsteller, too, when he goes through his little transformation. Yep. He's got nothing better to do. True. And now back to our show. Yeah, well, we also kind of learned that the reason that the didact was in that cryptum was because of the master builder. Mm-hmm. They lost, like, this political argument, and I guess within... It was, like,
0: 2,000 years, or was it 10,000 years?
1: I, I don't remember. But they lost a the political argument, and I guess you you get excommunicated mm-hmm. uh, to go reap the the reward of losing i guess essentially because that's mm-hmm. how it is in forerunner culture and again mind you that in this book they go into long tangents as he said like an encyclopedia so we're yes. trying to stick to the base story the base plot but we will kind of here soon we're going to go into one kind of encyclopedia thing ish and a- another thing i do want to mention I think the flood has been said twice. The flood is only said a handful of times. Those words.
0: I think I think by a character, it's said two or three times. Mm-hmm. We do go through, like you said, a little bit of an encyclopedic idea of how the flood came about. Mm-hmm. So ignoring that notion of
1: it, but like setting conversation, I think it's three times. It's yeah, bad. because and and the first time it's mentioned is earlier on in the book because the didact mentions the flood. yes. But that's it. Just there was passing. No just follow. Just, yeah. yeah. No one questions or anything like that. But so now, let's let's go back to sorry about the tangent, Go on to where we're at now. To where Bornsteller is reunited with his family, and he can he can see that his parents are concerned because he is transforming now. He's going <laughs> through puberty. He's got a little bit of chest hair now. He's got a little bit of a mustache. You know. he's... He's got a he's sweet going stash his, going. He's got he's got going through his punk face. I don't know what he's doing, but they, but they can obviously see that he's not going to be a builder or manipulator. He's yeah, going to be a warrior they, servant, and they
0: they kind of hate that. Mm-hmm. Like they bring him in and, and they do that kind of fake family hug at the airport, like or mm-hmm. you know like at a ceremony, mm-hmm. like oh we're really so glad to see you, but then behind closed doors they're like you're a
1: monster. Like, yeah, what did a, you do? This disingenuous embrace to mm-hmm. come back into the uh, into the family. Yeah, and he, he this is where things start getting interesting and because again he he's still slowly transforming and we kind of learn more and more about his like why his father knows the master builder here, correct? Mm-hmm. Because he starts to overhear conversations where he's realizing that his dad actually helped with the creation of this of this this halo that he had saw, and he still doesn't know much about it, but he knows that it's his dad helped with that. Yes, because we start to learn
0: that the master builder had a plan to remove the warrior rate or the warrior class. Yeah. Because he said, I have developed a weapon that'll make them obsolete, that'll mm-hmm. make all weapons obsolete. Yeah. And so that's when we discovered that as he's over- overhearing this, he's discovering that. His dad helped with that Halo weapon, yeah, or you know whatever we're kind of discovering that it is, and then that's why he was allowed to leave that area. He he had no idea his father had so much clout. Yeah, he was like, oh, my dad does work. You know, like you know, like when you grew up with your dad. Yeah, you know, or mom or whoever, and they they went to work. You're
1: like, yeah, they do work stuff. He's he's every child because no one knows what their dad does for a living. No, <laughs> my dad does project management or something. I don't even know. Yeah,
0: so you, so you just don't know that. So so he he starts to learn this, and he's. Like, was it coming of age? We so start starts to talk back to his
1: parents. And, and his sister's kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's kind of encouraging it on. And so d- doesn't, like, his mom kind of start to also learn as well because he confronts his dad at, like, a dinner. And yes. his mom starts to pick up, like, Whoa, wait, what were you working on? And either, and either before or after this, which is where his sister comes in and is like, oh, it's so cool. How's
0: that planet? You know, what were you doing? He's like, I was attacked. I woke up the didact. I did this. And his mother tries to shut him up. Mm-hmm. because they were not privy to any of this the master builders probably like yeah i found your son you know digging in the sand and i sent him home <laughs> K- so, kind of it's it, it, kind of true it's kind of true and that's what i mean like they, they glanced over it so mm-hmm. whenever the sister and mom kind of learn of it and the dad kind of learns of all of what has gone on and that he mm-hmm. is part of the didact now because at this same moment we start to go off on these mini tangents where
1: it's the didact's thoughts and speech, but it's actually through Bornstellar. Yeah, so it's, it's going off on these different narratives, and he's starting to to blur the line between what the Didact's memories are and what his memories are and stuff like that. Because we're learning he's fused with it away. Yeah,
0: because he, he never heard the word Halo but he's learning mm. it through his memories. Like mm. that thing I saw, it's a halo. Yeah. What is this dad? What is a halo? And his dad's like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so like they break it down to be like, okay, this is actually what it is. And you see that, They even say, like, you're not my son anymore. Something along those
1: lines of, like, you're not even who he is. Yeah, you're becoming someone different. And that's one of those confusing things in the book where it is you start jumping back and forth. And Mm -hmm. he's almost having, like, a conversation with someone else's thoughts where it's not actually a conversation. He's talking around the thoughts. It's so weird. He's narrating someone else's thoughts. It's bizarre. Mm -hmm. And it is a little hard to keep up with for my tiny little brain because I'd like to compare myself to Riser – Small guy, not really bright. His <laughs> vocabulary isn't out there. Just chill Other than the fruit stuff, not a fan of the fruit. But other than that, I I I'd like to think I'm a version of Riser. I like it. So, and then it goes to at one point, then he's having these didact memory flashbacks, whatever you call them, to where actually the didact sees this cryptum that he had previously referenced, or that we we pre not a cryptum. So the didact is actually standing in front of this cell or whatever where that prisoner mm-hmm. was. And earlier, to jump back, he uh, Bornsteller asked didact what happened to that prisoner. And he said, I'll tell you eventually. Like It's a story for a different time. You need to know the full context. And you need to know everything I do. But then he has a flashback where he kind of starts to conversate with that prisoner whatever it is. And they, they start to describe it. And they said it, it had like what, six, eight limbs, and it had like this this scorpion like head and mm-hmm. it had a giant barb that came out of the back. So it was like just this monster and it was like thirty feet tall. And by the way, I we don't know much about the the pri the 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 timeless one or what, I don't even know if we know his name yet at this point, but you know, this character, you know, this this precursor essentially that we learned that's what it is. I love the description of this guy because it's it, it's out there. It's different.
0: It's great. And it, and I love that they're like, I love that Bear encompassed all of it. Like it's kind of going story, 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 story. It's confusing, but when you kind of sit down and absorb it, you're like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, And th- yeah, because then at this point, we kind of snap back to the reality that we have and we learn that the master builder had actually tested the halo and activated it mm-hmm. at uh, Jean-Draquam, which was the homeworld for the Sang Shum. Yeah. Um, which is where we were before. So this is where you start to fear for, like, how are the humans? How's the Didact? What happened with all those things? This is mm-hmm. insane. And from this, we learned that the council of the forerunners that are, are kind of putting this together don't approve of that. Council of Ricks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, they don't approve of this Morty launching that ring. <laughs> and... They, they're really putting that behavior down. They're like, w- w- this was this is a last resort weapon. Mm-hmm. This is not a show my might because I built this ring weapon. Uh, g- going against the mantle, a responsibility, which it, is brought up a lot throughout this book. Exactly. And this is actually where the Didex memory kicks in again because he, w- through Born Stellar, he goes, I know where that missing Halo ring is. I mm-hmm. know that you're missing one. I know where it is. And he's confronting his family about it and also discusses that they know that uh, MedArc, Level, and Scylla went missing as well, which is, I think it was like five of them produced, and it's supposed to be like world-building
1: Ancillas. Mm, yeah, very, very powerful. And, yeah. Uh, one just went missing, mm-hmm. kind of like when Mendez went missing uh, in Halsey's journal, same thing. They're it, like, he's missing. Same thing. But, but and, and they said that he's been missing for like, what, 40-something years? He disappeared mm-hmm. like with a halo ring. Mm-hmm. So like, this isn't good. A very powerful AI just disappeared. And we also have a halo ring, like, this very destructive thing is gone. Like, so we don't know what's going on with that at the moment. But isn't this where then uh, he, uh, born stellar, didact, whatever you want to call him at this point, because he's he's starting to transform. And he's starting to get more and more of these memories. He starts to actually figure out what these halo rings were made for. Mm -hmm. And it was actually made for the Flood. And they've they've been starting to ravage worlds and take over uh, territories for like three or four hundred years at that point. And then this is where, isn't this where it goes into kind of like the wiki esque article about who the flood are and where they came from? Mm-hmm. And you had a much more funny description of it when we were talking off air. But basically, that that human and Singhaums, yeah, uh, uh, at one point when they were living, you know, in harmony. They found this dust, mm-hmm. and uh, and I do this with my dogs all the time. They found this dust, and they're like, "Let's feed it to the animals. Yeah, We're not going to eat this." I, I think they they figured out that it was not necessarily edible, carbon
0: based, something like that. And they're like, "It doesn't do anything to us, but to these pets that we start to have mm-hmm. um, that are, you know, herbivores in a sense, that they kind of trip, and they get more lovey, they mm. get more snuggly."
1: And so it made it more appealing to the high class to have these like really lovable animals, mm-hmm. docile animals. Mm-hmm. After a while, though, uh, they started not being so docile. They started becoming a little hostile, and as well as they started getting like these these lumps and tumors mm-hmm. that eventually would lead to other animals or the, those pets starting to eat them off of each other, and it started the slow burn of them slowly starting to mutate and mm-hmm. become more and more hostile. And eventually they just release them back in the wild. They're like, okay, go on. But that wasn't before like some humans were starting to eat the stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And then the humans started becoming hostile as well. And then the animals that they released in the wild were coming back with a vengeance. And remember at one point, they're not exactly physically transforming yet. But over time, the humans and these animals are physically transforming. Mm -hmm. And that's when this whole ordeal started it's odd to get just that story.
0: Yeah, because we both did this in an audiobook forum, and that was maybe five minutes. It was, yeah, five five to ten times. Something like that. It was of, just a random footnote. Yeah, it, it had nothing to really do with what was going on. It's like, yeah, there's Halo rings. Let me tell you that story about when people ate their dogs
1: Yeah, and the flood came about. Yeah, uh, that thing we've mentioned like three times. Oh, this is it, by the way. Yeah. Because it... <sighs> I'll hold off. I, I'm actually going to hold off until we get to the end mm-hmm. and we're actually talk about so I'll go on a tangent. But anyways, so now Bornstellar, you know, going back to present, Bornstellar is on his way to the trial of the Master Builder.
0: Yes, because they, they have now said we have to convict him. We have to, these are basically war crimes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. We have to convict him on this.
1: I love this scene, by the way. Love how this scene is written. So, so he walks in, he's in this giant room with, with forerunners and everything and it talks about how he sees the Master Builder Looking around, he just notices he's he's not really concerned about why he's he doesn't look worried or anything. He just looks calm. He's looking around and then he just locks eyes with Bornstellar. Instantly, just looks for him, and I think he wasn't looking for Bornstellar. I think he's more looking at what Bornstellar is becoming because mm-hmm. I think he knows what's happening. But so so you know the the trial is starting to happen, and then this is when all hell breaks loose. Because all of a sudden, uh, uh, they're under attack, correct? And so this is where we see that AI that had disappeared. He shows up, and it's Mendicant Bias. Mm-hmm. We, we've known Mendicant Bias for a minute. Now, we we were first introduced to him, I think, technically in Halo 2, passively, but then officially in Halo 3. But Mendicant Bias shows up, and I think Bornstellar, like, he's got a Halo ring, right? He's got that Halo ring... That went missing.
0: Yes. And and we learned that Menekin Bias can also control five additional to have six mm-hmm. total
1: of the 12. He's collecting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I respect that. I mean, he's a collector. He's trying to get first editions of all the Halo I understand- rings. A understandable. But Bornstellar is accessing his didact memory things, whatever... He's trying to say listen I know your real name so so I can technically control you I guess that's how it works like if you call me Jesse Lee Reiners and all of a sudden people are going to be like oh, I can control you ha ah, ah. yeah I guess uh, you got like a full program name type thing yeah. and so Medica bias is like no that doesn't work on me now like I I've I've evolved not evolved but I I've I'm beyond that now you can't just control me like that so yeah the trial obviously Starts to go
0: crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are realizing that they're going to launch these halo rings. Yep. That's their plan with it. So they said, we, we have to get out of here. And so we actually met a little earlier. We met Splendid Dust of Ancient Suns, mm-hmm. who was this kind of researcher who helped Bornstellar get access to those flood records to kind mm-hmm. of figure out what was going on. They actually escaped in an escape pod. Because mm-hmm. we, we, we learned that there's a rift opening. And it's a slip space portal. Yeah. And it's so disrupted because one of the rings is trying to go through it. So at the same time, there's a scene where they say all these fighters disperse to go try and destroy it. It's like this pollen being spread. Yeah. And they go and try and destroy the ring because they're like, he's going to decimate us and he's going to send these rings out to decimate the rest of the universe, the rest of everything. Yeah. So they have to stop it. So they escape out. They destroy this ring. Ships are getting destroyed as this ring is is cut apart and it's saying like those... The, the breaks of the ring that we kind of see in all the Halo games are cutting through ships like Butter and, mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. But we have our main protagonist and his little girl leave through that portal. But they kind of talk about it's, it's, it's very weird slip space. It's almost slip space that's wrong. It's being torn apart itself and almost like it's being controlled. And we learn that as they come out
1: of it, that they end up going to the Ark. Mm, yeah well he describes it as almost like a, a flower right yeah. yeah and and just to go back a little bit i think i think it's born stellar suspects or or someone suspects that mendicant bias this missing prisoner and this halo ring they all have something to do with each other mm-hmm. so, so they said this guy that's missing has something to do with this yep. i think but yeah and and so they're floating for a while out there and they eventually do Get discovered by the librarian herself. You know, mm-hmm. someone that's been mentioned throughout this book so so much, and so she is. She and a bunch of life workers bring them in. I, and there's one other forerunner with Didact and the the uh, the the other the chick, right? I yeah, yeah, there's yeah. Three of them. Yeah,
0: because it ended up being. Let we'll me look up in the notes real quick. It was Glory of a Far Dawn. So he, okay. w- he was a warrior servant who helped them get out.
1: Yeah. These stupid, stupid names. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so so they are taken in. And this is where this is where I think it, it we all suspect what, what is happening, but Born Stellar does eventually get to talk to the librarian mm-hmm. on this tranquil planet basically she's she's trying to apologize to him and say listen like you truly didn't know that when you were going to do this transformation you weren't just becoming a promethean a warrior servant you were becoming the didact and so he's in denial but he's so confused because he is transforming into the didact and we we kind of learn at this point like he was executed
0: Yes, so she she brings up that—she has to address him as the didact at that point, too. mm -hmm. She's like, no, he wouldn't give up any of the Forerunner worlds.
1: He wouldn't give up the Promethean things we had, so he was executed for it. Mm -hmm. He was executed, and then at that point, we don't know what's happening with Shaka Sarizer, but we see this kind of romantic moment go on because the librarian and— you know, this now new didact embrace each other. So it's, he has a lifetime of memories from the didact and still his own and physically and partially mentally. He is the didact, but you know, she says, you know, you're all who I have right now. Like I, Mm -hmm. you're, you are the didact, you are him. So it, it's bizarre. It's kind of confusing that he, he becomes it and he's has to share his head with kind of two people, a past self and his current self who is Mm -hmm. also his past self. But then you know, they, they chill for a minute. They chill. And they're, you know, he's he's trying to adjust to his, his new life as the didact. And this is when he he remembers once again this kind of conversation that he had with that being, that prisoner. And that prisoner actually reveals that he is the last precursor. Mm-hmm. So remember, we don't know a lot about the precursors they've only referenced them. We talked about their technology and their, their structures that can't be taken down or destroyed, but we see that, you know, the, you know, we meet this, this last precursor who says, guess what? You guys killed us. Actually. Like I'm the last precursor. Cause I made it away from you guys. You guys came and you killed us. And we are, you know, the reason there is a flood, like we're the reason this is our comeback. And you know, you know, basically ends with that we ba- it ends with this conversation where it, the the final precursor the primordial the timeless one he says you know we're getting our revenge mm-hmm. like we're getting our just desserts and that's going to be that so it ends on a weird kind of underwhelming note i mean it was kind of interesting to read but at the same time it was just kind of like that was it it ends with a quote from the diet or not from the i the primordial one
0: yeah but it it does show that like he has transferred to the didact we've now met the librarian Mm. we're now getting into these big players so
1: yeah we're there we're there so so that was the book overall again we cruised over about 17 wiki articles uh worth of stuff yeah if you you really want to know so now we have what does this do for the lore Everything, everything I did also put in notes ruins it. But <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> but this this does give us a look into. I think a thing a lot of people didn't ask for, but a thing some that, people were that people were interested in. I think it's one yeah. of those things where it's like, wow, that's actually kind of cool. You gave me that. I didn't want it,
1: but now I maybe mm-hmm. I do. Maybe I do, and I think it's a hard maybe because we give. Or we get a very hands-on look at foreigner culture 100,000 mm-hmm. years before the modern events of Halo, as I had said. We also learn, finally, who the didactic and librarian is. Remember, we read many of those conversations in the Halo 3 terminals. We learn the origins of the Flood, which was underwhelming, to say the least. Yeah, we at least going to start with it. I mean, another thing we learn is,
0: like, the sang Shum... And the humans did cohabitate at one point.
1: Yes, oddly. So, so we're, yeah, we're learning at one point they had this this relationship. And then, you know, we also learned about who the precursors were. Because mm-hmm. we had no idea who these guys were before this. We only knew of the Forerunners. So, you know, the Forerunners to the Covenant are what the precursors are to the Forerunners. Yes. These almost old ancient legends, you know. And so... And again, I mean, it's almost like you can just make a blank statement and say we started learning about all things Forerunner, their culture, everything, even down to like their class system and who ranks who, all this kind of crazy stuff. And what's been going on, you know, that the, the flood have been waging a war with them for hundreds of years at this point. I think even thousands because that's why the didact went into the cryptum because – Master Builder wanted to light off the Halo rings. He's like, nah, son, we're not going to do that. And mm-hmm. then they're like, maybe we're going to do that. So he we'll lost. See. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it does a lot. So, like, we will
0: let us know what you kind of think as well as, like, for lore of yourself, of, mm-hmm. of, of what kind of else brings it with us. Um, and that brings us to the release versions. So, we had a paperback version, a hardback, the audiobook, like we said, and mm-hmm. then a full box set of the trilogy mm-hmm. when we get to those two as well. Yeah. Now, as far as reception, Some fans love this insight into the Forerunner culture after Bungie teased them for 10 years, you know, getting some little documents for it, getting some of the little tidbits in Halo 3. Mm -hmm. So we're getting ideas of it. So I think some people enjoyed to see that. But, however, other fans would disagree, stating that they felt that the mystery and wonder of the Forerunners is what made them so appealing.
1: Mm -hmm. It's that
0: mystery of the unknown and, and more speculation of like, well, who
1: are those people? Yeah. Well, I mean, they say would we worship God if we still met Him? It's the same thing. Yeah, and and it, I think so many other franchises do it so well. Of you don't know who
0: created these things, and it's mm-hmm. kind of better off that way, or maybe just glances at them on occasion mm-hmm. because there's really nothing with it. So when you jump back a hundred thousand years, a little different. Yeah. But fans would also dislike the amount of backstory and
1: information being fed into the book that seemed almost forced at times and, and yeah i mean and that again there are people who felt the opposite there are people who loved it we've had you know people co- commenting on instagram and twitter who were excited that we were actually going to be covering this like you know people are jazzed about it so some people like we said are those lore nerds and that's what i love i think this is
0: one of our most torn pieces we've covered mm-hmm. we have reach we can go back and forth in that either way but i think this yeah. is one where it actually divided people because mm-hmm. i know i know this is a point where there's a a lull in kind of Halo content because you had that shift over to 343 doing their thing Mm. and I think people just wanted to gobble up anything you can give and when you go, hey, our first thing is Precursor. It's Forerunner. It's 100,000 years ago and you'll learn all about what Halo was. So I think that really attracted a lot of people and I think if you're in that mindset, we have a mindset of today of reading it. Of kind of knowing everything up through Halo 5 and the books. But I think back then, like that's, that's pretty
1: cool to kind of get that out there. I mean, I'll speak on anecdotal evidence. I remember when I first heard about this, it was it was unappealing to me because I was like, sure. I don't want to... That's one reason I skimmed some of it. I was like, I don't want to know this stuff. Like, I... That's why I thought the foreigners cool because I don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but nonetheless, the first book in the series would
0: prove to be very successful. Mm-hmm. The book debuted at number twenty two on the New York Times bestseller list under hardcover fiction, very which specific. I which I love that there's hardcover and paperback, <laughs> uh, and spent two weeks on the L.A. Times bestseller list, which. Take it for what it is. Those are still pretty big lists to be a Mm -hmm. part of.
1: Yeah, I mean, but you also could say anything with Halo is going to sell well. True. There there is two sides of that coin. Maybe we're going to see, now that there are more and more books, some of these may actually fall by the wayside. But, you know, as far as, you know, some reader reviews go, Goodreads users would give it a 3.8 out of 5. Barnes & Noble users would give it a 4.5 out of 5. Amazon users, 4.3 out of 5. Walmart users, 3.8 out of 5, because most of them cannot read. (laughs) This ain't game. (laughs) And Google users would give it a 4.7 out of 5. Now, regardless of some fan backlash, both in the books and of Halo 4, Bear loved Halo 4 and described it as having moments that knocked his socks off. He was so amazed to see his words come to life in a video game. And that I can totally understand. Mm -hmm. Because... 343 worked so closely with this guy i know mm-hmm. he's probably written you know he's written for star wars and star trek he probably didn't have the relationship with lucas films and who the heck ever owned star trek yeah whoever's running that now fox, fox or fox yeah you know that he did with halo or, or with with you know 343 and their community you know mm-hmm. bring them in hashing it out having these long meetings about this stuff and and the fact that he was so amazed to see that he wrote a character and they're like, We're gonna put that on our video game. And he's like, Oh my god, like this world is what I'm writing about. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't fault the guy for you know doing what he you know, he's a hard like how he's described it as a hard sci-fi. Uh, writer. he's a, And he's a staple. Mm-hmm. He is the father of most
0: of these things. Mm-hmm. And to have him in this novel is amazing. I just don't think because now that we're jumping over to opinion section guys, yeah, by the way.
1: Now we are in what did we think yes. of it? This is where we cross our legs. We sit back and we just let loose.
0: Yeah, and and I think this universe doesn't fit him. No. I I, I don't think the way because I've I've read some of his other books and they're fantastic, but it's in a universe of his own that doesn't have... that's not already pre-established for 10 years.
1: Yeah, and especially with no knowledge of what he's talking about, essentially.
0: Yeah, like his son was that, and he played some of the game, and he got an idea on this. and Because mm-hmm. and, for me, when... And I don't know if this is a knock towards 343 or the style of how they start this out, but every book we read in the bungee line... I kept wanting more after it. I was like, this yeah. is this is great. That, that book topped that other book. These are fantastic. Yeah. And there never really was a, a terrible book or a terrible section that we didn't truly like mm-hmm. for the most part. With this, as with all these other ones, I'm going through a second time on audiobook. And man, I had to catch myself a t- couple times and go back. Yeah, that's what I, and go. Oh, oh man, I
1: me. I did not pay attention to any of that. Yeah, because y- you get lost mm-hmm. because it's nothing is really keeping your attention is because from from what I said this in Discord, I think today or yesterday, but I want to bring it up again. As I told Alex this as well is that all these books save evolutions where those are all mini stories. All these books have two to three plots going on at once. Mm-hmm. There's you know there's no real one main plot. It's all equally important plots that switch back and forth to where once you're done with this one part of the plot, you can decompress while you know moving into the second or third plot. It's a very cinematic way mm-hmm. of doing it. And yeah. then they all come together. This first one was one hard plot with you know your breaks being wiki articles mm-hmm. thrown in there and it was rough for me because again you know, Greg Bear is, you know, truly a, an amazing figure in science fiction, and we, we've seen his accolades of everything he's done. But I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I guess I didn't think about it until you said it. Is I just don't think that he can write for every universe.
0: Yeah, and, and that's it, unfortunately. And like you said, we only got one one and a half points of view mm-hmm. in this book. Uh, you know, until he becomes a didact. It's just his inner thoughts. And, like, I would have loved to see it from the master builder side at, at some point.
1: Yeah, like... Or,
0: or you know, mendicant bias coming in and seeing, like, his fractal brain or how that, how uh-huh. that shifted or, uh-huh. you know, something along those lines that we do see in these other ones that do form together. Like, like, a mendicant bias chapter where you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea who this character is
1: until he enters that room. Yeah, like... Like well, I'm trying to even think of contact harvest who who all did we see a point of view from we saw it from from both the AIs mm-hmm. from Sergeant Johnson at one the point brutes. the the brutes and at one point uh, the grunts and also the uh, the guy who made first contact with the Covenant. Remember who yes. was driving the ship? Correct. So six or seven points of view we got from from if not that. a couple little bits in between. Yeah. yeah, and I think we've gotten that from basically all the Halo books so mm-hmm. far. And then you you throw us in a scenario where it's one guy. Yes, it's one guy, and he's kind of a stale character. Yeah, he there's nothing to him. There's nothing to a lot of the characters. I think one reason why I really latched onto the master builder because I was like, hell yeah, a villain, okay? Some guy with some kind of clear-cut motivation, yeah, you know? Yeah, and why he's
0: doing it, and then he has this plan enacted, whereas with this, the didact is just robotic.
1: You he, know, he's like, this is my plan. I need to do this. My wife set this up. Yeah, and even then, we don't really know his plan, so it's... Oh, I don't know, like... I, and and by the way, I, I know people are gonna... Like, we've made comments about Halo 4 and Halo 5 before, and how, you know, we, we weren't fans of those games, so people are going to come in and automatically say, okay, they don't like 343, so they're just going to hate on everything they do. And that's not true. because It
0: has nothing to do with that. Like I said, we're, we're taking this piece by piece. Mm-hmm. We have our own opinions on the games itself. A lot of these books, too, especially for me, I haven't read yet. Yeah. Because I fell off for that. I played the games. I kind of fell off the rest of the lore. Same here. So I'm taking this as we go, and we both never really discussed this book prior. And as we're listening to it, we'd text each other and be like, dude, I... I'm not sure what I just listened to. Yeah.
1: Like a lot of confusing parts are very stale and boring parts. that would drag on more and more. And I think, you know, I, I, I've heard good things about some future books. I've heard bad things about some future books coming up, but I mean, for me again, this isn't, this isn't about, you know, hating on 343 and what they've done. I know that some of the decisions that they did make led to getting stories like this. Cause I said, we won't really go into the formation of three four three industries until we cover Halo Four in a few months. So look forward to that. We'll dive into it a little bit when we do Combat Evolved anniversary. But you know, with that being said, I mean this this was kind of a rough book, and I think this is the first time I really we've covered something within the Halo universe to where you know we're just like we weren't really fans of this, you know. Yeah. And, and again people were, but I mean, I do want to give a few nods to what I did like about this novel. Again, I liked the Master Builder. I think he's a very interesting character and if I'm correct, we're going to be seeing more of him in upcoming novels, so I'm very okay with that. I'm also a fan of of course, Riser. He was a silly guy, Mm -hmm. but I liked the, as confusing as it was, I did like the idea that Born Stellar was becoming the didact. I thought that was interesting enough. So I thought that was, you know, cool. I also liked the, the how they described the trial with the master builder and then how Mendicant Bias crashed the party and everything. I thought that whole scene was so cool. Because yes. Mendicant Bias has been an interesting character for mm-hmm. me. So getting a little more insight into him and how he operates, I think that's good. I think that there were at times... Parts that kept me interested, but they, they were few and far between. And I think that's what that this book lacked overall. But I, I liked that whole trial, as I said, because I think cinematically it looked really good. And then, you know, just some character development with Born Stellar just because he literally became a different character. But other than that, I mean, for the most part, a lot of people in this story were stale. They were they were boring, they were drab. And so I'm hoping that when we cover the next two books, that things start picking up. Because if you give me two more books of this, it's 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 not gonna be fun. It's not gonna be fun to listen to these books. No, it's 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 tough. And
0: and we want to give you guys some great content and obviously break these down and see what we can't assess for the Halo universe itself and give our personal opinions on it. So it's it's
1: tough when they don't. They do a fan service, but it's just weird. Yeah, and and again, these next two, I'm still gonna keep an open mind. If yeah. the second one sucks, I'm still gonna try to come into the third one and be like, okay, he found his stride. Because you know, we do. I mean, if you want to break this down and look at it, you know, you want to go on YouTube and watch the the you know uh, uh, forerunner lore videos that came from this, you know, t- twenty minute digest digestible bites. You can thank these books for that Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, like it or hate it, we we did get that insight. So now we can say, you know, all you and your Halo fans who love the lore can start bringing this up and having these debates about the culture and everything like that. Totally. So this was very hands-on, one-way ticket to a lot of Halo lore because as we had talked about with Legends and Evolutions, that's what 343 Industries wanted to do. They're like, okay. Lore, 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 lore because Bungie was just giving you the occasional book and the occasional comment. Sure. So with that being said, I mean I I get it. I really get it. And and as you said, it was something that someone you know the fans were interested in, but maybe they weren't asking about it. Cause I remember when my friends and I would talk about it, we would just be like, yeah, man, like forerunners were gods basically. And that was it. We weren't, we didn't have these long drawn out debates about what their culture would be like. Granted, no, it was just cool getting the tidbits of it and mm -hmm. being like,
0: Maybe this is what people interpret, or maybe this is kind of left behind in these... Because I think of it as, like, ancient Egyptians or ancient Mayans. It's mm-hmm. kind of like these are things left behind
1: by them. Love, well, yeah. I mean, I guess, and I've never even thought about that. You, you can look at it that way. Like, how did the Egyptians build the the pyramids? You know, like, we still don't know. You know, at one point we thought it was slaves, but now scientists are starting to say, well, we actually think it was paid contractors, same mm-hmm. with the Mayans. Where did the Mayans get the idea to 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 sacrifice people and all this stuff like that, and how did they build those structures, and how yep. did they align these with the stars? How did they come up with this calendar? You know, it, it would suck if all of a sudden, it wouldn't suck, but it would still be kind of like you... You, But if but if like a literal story fell in your lap, just yeah. like a
0: description of it, like, oh, it's just this. There's it, nothing spectacular
1: about yeah, it. Yeah, like, I love the idea, because we've only discovered, theoretically, how the pyramids have been built over hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. We didn't know prior to that. It's been scientists who just ram their head against the wall and say, I think this is how they did it.
0: Yeah, and I, and I love it. So, I don't know. With that, like I said, I, I, I'm i glad they're telling the story. I'm glad there's something out about it for the fans that want it. Mm-hmm. It just didn't vibe with me.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, overall, we're going to give it a score. And I think I'm going to have to give this one a 5.5 out of 10. I mean, for me, and I think it's the first time I've dropped below 8 or 7. But yeah. it was just, it it's rough. And, I mean, you want to talk about hard sci-fi if that's what hard sci-fi is, like I'll 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 let it be then, because it's not for me. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I'd probably give it like I don't know
0: seven war sphinxes over two humans that aren't that bright, a steam powered ship, and some lost halo rings out of two. Out of two? Yeah, it's it's, it's rough, man. It's oof. it's it's uh oof. it's rough, but what's not rough? is thanking those who help produce this content for us. Absolutely. So as always, all of you that listen, we absolutely love you. And Jesse and I could have not imagined for any of this, but we do want to thank our patrons that are there for us each month. And we'll start with Angry Canadian, Baby Z, Brent, Oni, 1412, 2494 BB, Charles Zitter. That's a mouthful. It's a long one. Charles Zitter, Kevin Fong Feliciano, Duststorm, Francis, Grant Dillon, Harvey Chong, Colonel Panic, Tactics, Dragonfire, Mr. Chalf, Pascual Orozco, Skyjack, and ZZ Slipaway. Thank you guys again so much for your support. You bring content like this to light that helps Jesse and I be able to fund these things. Mm-hmm. And as always, you get your bonus episodes, your extra content, your private Discord server, your exclusive prints and t-shirts. And, and game night. And game nights and, and just a lot of content that we put out there and just to mm-hmm. help support us. Um, you guys have been amazing. So we'll have a link to that uh, below. A couple other things from Business Alex right now. We did launch a print shop which has all of the amazing prints that Jesse has created that are available for sale in various sizes. I know you guys had asked. We only had 8x10 to start just because our our print company could do that. I have now found a poster company um, that can print within our means to keep them a reasonable price for you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So we now have 16x20s and 18x24s up there. And we just launched a OG line of merch on both of our... Uh, EU UK store and our US store so we'll have links below on YouTube in our Discord or ask us on any social channels Um, we can send it all out to you guys um, that help support us also you get some you get dripping with some sweet
1: FTF merch Exactly And I mean As always We are on Every social channel As Alex said We are on Twitter We are on Instagram We are on Facebook You can also find us On literally Any podcast platform Whether it's Spotify Which is the big one iHeartRadio iTunes SoundCloud uh, Pocket Cast Stitcher Stitcher anything. Anything And of course You know It really helps us If you go on iTunes You give us A five star review If you feel That we have earned it Tell us why Because we actually do read all those and we look at those for feedback. And that helps our ranking. So if you guys know of the new Noteworthy
0: section of it um, that helps our ranking go up to get even more listeners with this. Um, we are niche and we love our, our community. Mm-hmm. Let's keep growing it.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I'm, I've am i been curious lately about who listens to us to this point? Does anyone listen to us to the end? So I, I, will, I will give you a shout out on uh, Finish the Fight social media if you can come to us say... In the Discord, join our Discord, and just simply type in. You know, your first thing you say is six six zero six one one two one, and you'll get a shout out. That's the longest thing. Ever. Anyway,
0: if you don't have Discord or hate it, any social channels will work. Send, us, send us just, a DM, PM, a PM yeah, if, if an you, SM. If you if you if you MSN. actually
1: listen listen to us this long, then do that. But yeah, as I said, we're on we're on Discord as well. If you want to join us, please join. Any and all are welcome. Occasionally, we have people who join who say, "Yeah, you know, I've been wanting to join for a while." Do it. We love having you guys. The Discord's going crazy every day. Yeah, Lots and, of conversations. And that's,
0: where, that's where Jesse and I are most active as well. So if you have questions, mm-hmm. you just want to shout us out, say hi,
1: ask about game night, whatever, we're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so our next episode is going to be Halo Glassland. So now we're starting a different trilogy as well, the Karen Travis trilogy. So in two weeks, come back, that will be the next book that we cover. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And thank you for tuning in to finish the fight, a Halo podcast. Halo, it's finished. No, I
0: think we're just getting started.